and welcome to Yoga for the Revolution, a show about self-care in the age of resistance. Today we're doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on self-care. We'll briefly touch on the difference between building resilience and mindfulness and what we're calling consumer self-care and then talk a little bit about how self-care is collective care or it can be. At first, I was concerned I would be repeating myself to speak about this topic again, but you know what? We need it. It's not like after all our years of life, someone can walk up to us and say, hey, do this one thing, and then all of a sudden everything changes. So some messages we need to hear more than once. You may perhaps have also heard the phrase, you teach what you need to know. Well, Here's another example of that. I won't spend any time this episode regaling you with trying to guess why you may or may not be experiencing stress or pain. It is enough to acknowledge that there is stress and pain, and sometimes more than others, we feel it. We all do. And why is now a good time to revisit the idea of self-care? Well, a couple things. The state of the world, right? Big one. The change of seasons, upcoming holidays. It seems a little early for that, but it's happening. Uh, And that can be a whirlwind of both action and emotion. As far as the seasons go, this is vata time, people. Things are cold, rough, dry, mobile. We need warm, smooth, juicy, stable. We need it so that we don't dry up and blow away like an autumn leaf or an ember from the fire. We can't afford to dry up and blow away. There's too much good left to do. So we've talked here on this show about self-care before. We've talked about how it's not about Instagram. And here is a quote from an article with the title, this is what self-care really means because it's not all salt baths and chocolate cake. Man, they really don't write headlines like they used to. The author, Brianna Wiest, uses a term I really latched onto, which is consumer self-care, the kind of surface-level care that looks good in an image and is in some ways more performative than effective. She says, a world in which self-care has to be such a trendy topic is a world that is sick. Self-care should not be something we resort to because we're so absolutely exhausted that we need some reprieve from our own relentless internal pressure. True self-care is not salt baths and chocolate cake. It's making the choice to build a life you don't need to regularly escape from. And I think that's a really great point. We often think of self-care as an escape from life, and this gives us the opportunity to look at it from a perspective of building a life that doesn't require escape. So there is this resilience piece. Self-care is most effective when it's not flashy, but habitual. When it's nothing to write home about, but instead part of your routine. Again, when it's not an escape from your life, but a way to build a life you don't need to escape from. I really like that. Annie Walton Doyle also talks about self-care by noting that, and I'm using air quotes here, real self-care can be hard. It can be the thing you don't want to do. She says, self-care can be, I went to psychotherapy rather than I bought an expensive scented candle. Both of these things are great if they help make living in the world a bit more bearable, but one of those is more Instagrammable and thus marketable. And I would add, one of them is more sustaining. One of them isn't an escape. It's a ritual or habit that you build into life so that life becomes something you don't have to escape from. So doing quarterly estimated taxes was not 
relaxing or easy for me, but it was absolutely self-care. We often talk about building personal resilience, about self-care is almost a defense against the world, which is why I love the idea that self-care is about building a life, a full abundant life that doesn't require so much retreat. Sometimes, though unavoidably, life is rough and there's not a lot we can do about that. I have friends and family right now who are struggling to release themselves from the grip of the current political climate, from the rhetoric being used and the abuses piling up, which again gets tricky. This is why a scented candle seems sometimes frivolous. This is why escape seems like what self-care is. What I mean to say, if we think self-care is an escape, then we're not really getting the most out of it. Then it is a temporary stay of execution. It doesn't change anything, really. It may give us shelter from the storm momentarily, but it doesn't help us create a world or a life again, from which we don't need to escape. It's not building skills in any way. And that is when self-care can feel selfish. When we know somehow that the action we're taking to protect ourselves isn't effective in the long run, when it feels like a dodge or an indulgence, that could be a clue that maybe it is. It can be hard to know what exactly will be effective self-care. You may have heard this analogy before, that you wouldn't drive your car until it ran out of gas because you were too busy to go get gas. You know on some level that stopping to get gas is the most efficient and effective way to move forward and eventually get to your destination. And we often don't do that with our own selves. We push, 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 and we don't stop to get gas. And then we're stranded, burned out on the side of the road waiting for AAA, which is not the most efficient way to get where we're going. And this makes sense to me, but I think we can take it a step farther. Not instituting habitual, effective self-care is not just like driving a car running low on gas. It's like getting behind the wheel without ever having learned to drive. We think we can figure it out. It seems intuitive. I'm sure it won't be that bad. But without some serious practice, we'd careen off the road in a minute. And maybe you learn enough to keep going, but it's still pretty dangerous. Right now, a lot of us have some self-care skills, some, but they may be the temporary type. It might be like hitting the windshield wiper fluid and cleaning the windshield as you drive yourself off a cliff. This is where self-inquiry comes into play. How do we know what we need in any given moment? How do we know how to drive? We have to ask and we have to practice asking. Nkechi Diana Jaka talks about mindfulness as necessary self-care. Instead of thinking about the past or the future, she says what's more useful in any given moment is to, and I'm quoting here, assess how you're doing, what are you feeling, what you notice with an open mind and an open heart. The reasons being that then a space has been created for further inquiry. Here, she says, we can ask ourselves, how do I feel? What do I believe? What do I need? What needs to happen next? When we choose to focus our attention on what is only happening here and now, we train our mind and our body to be at peace with what is, to be at peace with ourselves in the moment where we are in that moment. There is an acceptance and allowance and an invitation to be with what is truly real. That is the power of presence, being able to drop in and know the self. This is where real change and real transformation can happen. 
I'm pausing now to say this. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this show. We are on episode 96. And for those of you who don't know, I'm going to be wrapping this whole puppy up for a while. I thought about stopping at 100, but I'm going to try to make it to 108 because auspicious. So if there's something you want to hear me talk about, let me know. You can find all our back and future episodes at yogafortherevolution.org. Contact me there to send a note or find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash yogafortherevolution. Same Z's on Instagram and Y underscore F underscore T underscore R on Twitter. Also, I'm opening up my schedule for a few more private clients. So if you're interested in working with me, let's do this thing. If you're nearby, we can meet in person. If not, we can meet over technology and do video classes. Right now, I have a special offer going for private Ayurvedic yoga sessions with me. Of course, you can do this in a smaller package as well, but right now I'm offering a package that consists of two times weekly sessions with me from now until the end of the year. So that takes you right through the sometimes stressful holidays with a bonus session after the new year so you can start that off right. If you're interested in all of that, I'll link to a sign up in the show notes, or you can just go to Just Regular Yoga. For more information. So some of you know, those of you who have signed up for my newsletter, some of you know that I'm about five months pregnant. Hooray! And so I've been doing the pregnancy self-care ascribed to me by my doctor and the wisdom of the internet. I take my vitamins, I put my feet up, I engage in regular gentle exercise, which at this point can be going up a flight of stairs. For the most part, I've been thinking of myself as a pregnant person which makes sense because I am, but in my head somehow pregnancy was this thing that was happening to my body and it had certain side effects like my clothes don't fit and my nose is stuffed and my ankles are swollen. I will say there is joy and excitement too. I did think maybe I would feel like a different level of femininity or power or that I should be embracing my belly in a field of lavender, which I just think maybe isn't my style. All the shifts about to happen are really hard to imagine or prepare for And for the most part, my day-to-day life is my day-to-day life. The shift will make itself known pretty drastically soon enough, and then my life will be completely different. But for now, you know, here is me pregnant. In fact, I started teaching a new group yoga class, and I started taking on more private clients, and I realized I had this hang-up or this fear that instead of seeing me as a qualified professional who also just happened to be pregnant, that they would only see me as pregnant. And to some extent, this is borne out. People don't let me clear the props after class. Some of my peers are suggesting I focus only on teaching prenatal classes, which are all lovely thoughts and completely valid, but I'm not all of a sudden a different person with fewer capabilities and more narrow focus, I don't think. I don't know, I guess I've just been plowing ahead, making my plans. Measuring the size of cribs versus the size of the spare space we have. Measuring my belly. Making lists of items we need, items we don't need. Possible names. And those things are on the list with a million other things. Bring the plants inside before the first frost. Write a note to so-and-so. Pick up oatmeal. Work on the show. All of that stuff. So why am I telling this story? I'm telling this story because I was recently in New Hampshire, Uh, earlier this month at the amazing Dragonfly Yoga Barn and Retreat Center, assisting a retreat with a friend of the show, Jill Braverman. I think you can already sign up for next year if you want, so I'll link to that in the show notes. 
And I happen to have been gifted a massage. A few years ago, some generous retreat guests made arrangements for me to get a massage while at the retreat from a fully realized, amazing therapist named Leslie. I'll link to her information too if I can find her online presence because I can't say enough good things about her work. As it turned out, I wasn't able to use the gift certificate for a little while, but as it happens, this was the weekend I was going to do it. I've never had a prenatal massage, and if I trusted anyone to do it, it was going to be Leslie. So I could talk about this massage for ages, and I have. I'm sure the people in my life are tired of hearing about it already. She's got a heated table. She puts these warm, fuzzy socks on your feet, and she just cares. She's incredibly present and is doing this, is giving this with such love and devotion in such a way that I felt in those moments that she was absolutely channeling just pure love through her skills and through her hands. And that either sounds crazy to you or it doesn't, but I do hope you've experienced something like this at some point in your life. It doesn't have to have been a massage. It could have been listening to a cello solo or having your dog come and lay in your lap. I don't know. But during that time, whatever she was doing and feeling was passed to me. And I felt such gratitude and such wholeness that all I wanted to do was share it. I was so full of love and caring that the only thing I could think to do was pass it on. That's, that's all I wanted to do. I couldn't contain it all in one person. There was enough abundant caring and love that I felt in that moment could fill the whole world. In that moment, I was like, oh, if everyone was cared for like this, we would not be facing the problems that we face as a society. I mean, that's how good it was. I was like, this is a world peace kind of massage. Feel free to chalk that up to pregnancy hormones, but that is how I felt in that moment. In fact, I felt so taken care of, so seen in a way, that I no longer felt like a person who was pregnant in, in the same way I had before. It completely transformed the way I had been feeling about this in that I felt so whole and full as myself, not depleted, right? I felt completely whole enough of myself that I actually felt separate from the pregnancy, separate from the babies. Oh, babies. Yeah. Hi. There are two. There are two in there. And when I say separate, I meant separate in, I mean separate in a good way because they're both a part of me and separate from me. And for some reason in that moment, it just became clear to me that I could care for them, that all these baby tracker self-care tips were just skimming the surface, that I wasn't just caring for a pregnant body. Of course, I need that. I need to take care of this body. But that once that caring was fulfilled in a way, I had extra. I had more to give. I was so full up, I could actually think about something other than checking off the boxes to prevent preeclampsia and making sure that I have this vitamin combination and making sure I'm doing my registry properly and all of the things, all of the things they tell you you need to be thinking about. So earlier when I was reflecting on this, I realized that I think that actually that was the first time I loved them. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful I could feel that. And my point is the only way for me that I felt that, that extension of love towards another person or people or little squirmy beings inside of me was if I felt all of that love and caring and comfort for myself. 
which for me was a really profound thing. It was the most profound experience of self-care I have ever had because it shone a light on my contribution to the world in a different way. You've heard the expression a million times, put the oxygen mask on yourself first. You can't fill other people's cup if your cup is empty. All of those metaphors and expressions. And yet I feel like this was the most profound example of that, just focused and pointed in a very specific moment because I felt full. And because I was full, I wanted to give love out in the world. I wasn't preoccupied with fear and anxiety and to-do lists. And this particular moment is different than the daily rituals of care. This was different than doing something like paying my taxes. It was challenging in its own way because I had to let myself go, give myself over to the idea of such a deep level of caring. I had to just completely let go. And it's not something that we all do that often. Again, because we're, we're stuck on this idea that self-care is indulgent or that it's surface. So what I'm saying is if we allow it to be deeper and to be significant, then it can really fill us up in such a way that we can contribute more to the world. And from that, I was filled I was no longer just a woman waddling. I was embracing my belly in a field of lavender, metaphorically. Self-care is layered. Self-care is a self-defense mechanism against the shitstorm that is this world. Self-care is a way to build a life you don't want to escape from. Self-care is also a way to find enough love within you to not only balance the fear, the pain, and anxiety, but to fill yourself up so much that you want nothing more than to find a way to bring more love into the world. That is possible for you. Please believe me that coping with pain is possible, especially with the support of others around you, professionals or another kind of support system. And what's more, getting by is not just possible, but feeling connection and positivity and abundant love is possible even now. It is. It exists and it's possible for you and I want it for you. And if there's anything I can do to help you get there, let me know. Ask around. Find your people. Stay in the present moment and be mindful of what you really need. Until next time, keep breathing and live to fight another day. 